Welcome to the Best Kept Secret videocast and podcast from Centricity. If you're a B2B service professional, use our five-step process to go from the grind of chasing every sale to keeping your pipeline full with prospects knocking on your door to buy from you. We give you the freedom of time and a life outside of your business. Each episode features an executive from a B2B services company sharing their provocative perspective on an opportunity that many of their clients are missing out on. It's how we teach our clients to get executive decision makers to buy without being salesy or spammy. Here's our host, the co-founder and CEO of Centricity, Jay Kingley. I'm Jay Kingley, co-founder and CEO of Centricity. Welcome to our show where our guests share their provocative perspective on what their target market is missing out on. I'm happy to welcome to the show, Scott Kaplan, founder and chief coach of Quick Hit Sales Tips. Scott helps companies develop strategies for sales, marketing, and customer success teams with tactical implementation plans to drive repeatable and predictable results. Scott is based in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you, Jay. Nice, nice to be here. Been a big fan of your podcast. So I'm, uh, love talking to, to you and, and uh, appreciate what you've done so far with some of your other uh, podcasts. Well, thank you very much. Let's start with an issue which I have always found, to be honest, the combination of perplexing and amusing. And that is how so many CEOs and founders of businesses look at the sales part of their company. And in particular, you take a company that starts out as very founder dominated, typically in the early days, the founder is the chief salesperson. But at some point under a success scenario, that company grows and it grows beyond just the founder being able to bring in revenues. So we start to recruit salespeople. Now, any other function in the company, we understand we bring someone in, they have some functional skills, sometimes they even have some experience in the industry, but there's an onboarding process, there's a training and mentoring process, and we expect a ramp up in terms of their ability to contribute to the company. And that's true in every function except for sales. And for some strange reason, people think salespeople are these magical beings who walk in their first day on the job, they get put at a desk, at the end of the day, the CEO walks by and says, how many clients did you get on your first day? Like just magic happens and the only magic I ever seen happen is in a Disney or in a Pixar movie. Well worth the price of a ticket, but not how the real world works. Scott, as someone who is expert in the area of bringing on salespeople and growing that function and making sure that revenue is on the trajectory that companies need, what are people not understanding? What are people getting wrong about this point of view? Yeah, I love that point of view. Personally, I do believe that we are magic and everything else that's out there because, you know, we're sellers. We have this nostalgia. We actually have movies that are made about us because we're a car salesman. We're Robin Williams or these, you know, big names are going to go out there and talk about us. But yes, you're right. It's that idea. And we hear CEOs or head of sales go to their, you know, one day, one week sellers and say, hey, did you bring anything in yet? As a joke. But like we all know, there's some truth 
to a lot of those types of jokes because you hit the nail on the head, Jay. It is, how do we bring in that revenue? How do we go out there and make sure that we can do that? And a a founder-led, a CEO-led type of sales organization, they can go out there and get a good few couple of, of customers. They can maybe even bring in some larger customers. They have that vision, that nostalgia. They can connect executive to executive. But you also mentioned the word scale. That only goes so far. And when you need to get that scale, there's a lot of frustrations that come into come into play with how do we do that? How do we get the right type of person who understands how to connect with not just our clients in terms of people and their personas, but with what the value is? And how do we go out there and uncover the pain that clients have? And our solutions can solve a lot of different items. So we have to make sure, one, we're really clear and we get over that frustration of how do we go out there and sell? What is the problem that we're going out there and solving? And I'm a firm believer that that's where sellers really need to understand and how to attack their sales, attack their market to truly help customers. And so if you think about that dynamic, it takes a while to understand how do our solutions solve items. And as you continue to get better at that onboarding and that ramp, you get a lot better at what are the key problems we solve for that persona, for that vertical. How do we solve it better than anyone else? So we know to make sure we position it correctly, not just to make a sale, but to solve that client's needs. And I believe you can do both very ethically in sales, right? To solve those needs better than anyone else that's out there in the marketplace. And so when I talk with a lot of uh, CEOs or smaller companies that are trying to go from CEO or founder-led and really try to get that scale, it's how do we have consistency in that sales process? How do we execute more flawlessly and continually so we can have something that's repeatable? What message resonate? What are some of the use cases that really find valuable to customers? How do we convey that and prove that value add to get customers to buy in? And those are the types of items that I want to make sure that we look for to really know how do we target ourselves and hit our target market and be more precise in the marketplace. And as you learn that, as you get better at that, as you have more tools with that, as you have more experience with that, your success can really go a lot quicker. My favorite definition of happiness which is happiness is the difference between reality and expectations. And, you know, my corollary is it's a whole lot easier to manage expectations than it is to change reality. So, Scott, I I think one of the issues here in terms of what's at the root cause of this dynamic is this issue of expectations. And you have the CEO who is, in most cases, not a professional salesperson, even though they have been bringing in those initial clients just through their personality and perhaps network that they have. And now they're professionalizing the function in order to scale their business. So what's going on with what I would say is a mismatch with expectations versus reality? How should a CEO who's looking to address this issue, how should they set a fair set of expectations? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I'll say it's not just maybe just the CEO, but in addition, the layers that go down all the way to that sales rep, the head of sales, the support mechanisms that are out there to support sales as well. So it's really the expectations. Because again, a CEO has that vision. He's getting people to buy into that vision and have that that opportunity. As sellers and as we get more uh, growth, we're trying to find people that maybe aren't in market. And we need to do some 
ideas of why they need to go out there and make a change. There's different dynamics with regards to how we need to go out there and sell. So having the tools and resources, for example, I love talking to people about, do you understand your sales process? What do you and get to the layers and details, not surface level. Let's get to those layers and details and whether that means you have a quote unquote sales playbook or not, or you have a defined sales methodology or sales process, whatever the it is, you have to make sure you know what you want to go out there and do to drive it. So you want to have that consistency. You want to arm those sellers so they can build that confidence. If you give me a roadmap that, hey, this is going to happen and call it 70, 80, 85, 90% of the time. I'm going to build my confidence. I know what's going to happen or where I can go out there and take it. I get the excitement behind it. I get the confidence behind it. I get that eagerness behind it. So I have that momentum that continues to propel the activities that we have to do, whether it's cold calling or demos or whatever the case may be. It continues the success of those activities to make sure we can go out there and yield that to say, I'm bringing in this deal. I'm getting this type of you know success metric. Sometimes, obviously, salespeople talk about money. They want to be successful, make money. Great. I got no problem with that. You're willing to work hard and get a lot of money. Love it, love it, love it. People also love helping clients, right? They want to be able to sure they can go out there and provide value for people and provide good. Fantastic. There's lots of ways to drive that type of success. And so if sellers have that capabilities to identify and then be able to execute upon that, have the tools, have the resources, have that knowledge base. You have so much more fun in selling. You're engaging with clients, you're helping people out, and you're having conversations because you're good at what you do that propel business forward. They don't just spin around where, hey, they sent some information to the customer, they didn't, they'll go back to me. The frustrations of sales, of not being able to close a deal or needing a big deal to come in just to hit your monthly or quarterly number, those start to fade away because you have that uh, consistency that yields like, that ability to go out there and drive a sales result engine that you're trying to drive at the rep level. And then you think about it from a company, how do you build that step by step by step so all of my reps can do that and have that success? As we alluded to earlier, this doesn't happen in a day. This doesn't even happen in a week. And the two stages, and I, I want to put a little bit of a spotlight on, on the first stage is how long should does it typically take or what's the range to set my expectations? I bring that sales rep in day one. How long until they're fully functional up to speed? And I understand then you've got your whole revenue cycle, which is which is very company product service specific. But how long till is it going to take me to get someone so that I can say they're 100 percent acting at the level that they should? And so I think a lot of times people refer that to ramp time and how they want to go out there and take a look at it. If you're in that sales development role, that BDR type of role where you're doing prospecting and just trying to set those meetings Typically, one to two months is what I've seen for best practices and what I help people implement to be able to understand what do we need to do? How do we go out there and have relevancy, target ICP and target market, ideal customer profile for those who don't know what ICP is? How do we have that right focus to make sure we know how to go out there and leverage? How do we have the right tools and systems that we can be effective with? And then there's key sales skills that they have to go through. I have about five key sales skills for those types of roles. So they can go out there and really be uh, efficient at executing that. And if you can have a, uh, you don't have a lot of complexity and it's very uh, precise, you can get it down to that one month. Sometimes you need that extra month for multiple products, more complex enterprise level sales. Now, if you're talking about the AE, those who have a quota carrying, you know, type of individual contributor type responsibilities, quotas and, and such, 
they're going to go out there and have a longer ramp time. But the ramp time that I define is how do you have the ability to have the pipeline build that you wanted to have and be able to go out there and close that deal? I've seen best practices get you to about that four-month level. So think of about a three to six-month sales cycle, which I understand. That could be part of it. But as you finish your training, and I work with people all the time on what is that training environment? How do we do it? If you have a solid onboarding infrastructure that you're able to do with self-learning, you know, training led as well as manager coached and be able to have those types of environments, which doesn't mean overly complex or anything else, but you have that fluidity, you can get a a rep ramped in that four months to where they should be able to start to hit that first deal and have the consistency to achieve their quota. So if I'm mapping out when do I give them that kind of first quota, if we have that infrastructure and we're building to that, and when I work with the models of my private equity customers and how do we ramp at the board level and CEO and CRO level, how do we get to that four-month level for those enterprise and strategic reps that we're trying to go out there and get to? You've put forward, I think, some structure, some things that have to be put in place in order to get your BDRs and your AEs ramped up, up to speed so they can become fully productive in their role. Now, of course, I think there's lots of companies out there that aren't doing what uh, you suggested and therefore are really struggling. So for those that see the light, for those that capture the wisdom that you are sharing, talk about expectations of benefits to their business uh, from this type of approach. So I'll, I'll think I'll answer in kind of two questions, like kind of the idea of like what they should be doing and then what they'll kind of get from it. And I think those two kind of go hand in hand. And I'll even break it down. Really, what should sellers be doing for sales management? So starting on the seller side, I'm a firm believer that you have to constantly improve your sales skills, what you're able to do within your role and to your customer base and really make sure that we can drive that. I don't believe the ABCs of selling is always be closing. While I love the movie and the movies, I should say that would go beyond that. I believe the ABCs of selling is always be coached, right? Always be coached. And if you think about the people that make millions of dollars for us, those celebrities, whether you're an actor, right? Whether you are a professional athlete, even if you're at the top of your game from a medicine perspective, as a doctor or a surgeon, you're constantly improving your skills. How can I go out there and do it? You're learning things of what you did wrong, what I need to go out there and do right, what else will help me do things right in the future. Maybe it's technology, maybe it's a different process. But you think about all of the different coaches that we have on baseball teams or basketball teams or you know, a psychological coach that you'll have for a golfer, you know, versus their caddy who's helping to coach versus maybe a strength and conditioning. There's all these different types of coaches that help you. And you have to look at improving your skills if you want to be that A player, if you want to continue to drive and really strive to hit that. So that's a key thing for sellers to go out there and get to. And then for managers, those frontline managers that are supporting and the chief revenue officers that are creating this infrastructure from a team, one, have a coaching environment. If it's always be coaching, then the manager's ABCs is always be coach, <laughs> right? Always go out there and make sure there's your coding, but putting together the right types of programs, the right tools, the right infrastructure, the right structures 
to have that scale and then be able to drive the results that you're talking about are really critical. So that's why I like to break it down by seller. There's kind of sales leaders to make sure we can go out there and do that. But if you think about how you want to go out there and continue to grow your sales results, and we all know that sales, you typically have a quota increase every year. How are you going to go out there and do that? Or if your quota remains the same, maybe they take away some territory. I never fought that as a rep. Well, maybe I shouldn't say never. I initially had a, a gut reaction, emotional reaction. But when I thought it through, if I'm a good seller and I know what I need to do, I'm going to figure out a way to go out there and be successful. And so I'm going to look at those different items. How can I find more of those ways to win? How can I have that you know, reproducing ability to drive that success? And I found some great things that work out incredibly well. I guess I'll give one cheat. One thing I'll give an example of. I can tell sales reps, if you want a 25% increase... I can give that to you right now. And typically, it's a referral program. I won't bore people with it right now. We'll talk later on how you can go out there and look at that information. But you have a strong referral program. I mean a strong referral program that you use all the time. You'll increase your results 25% at a minimum. I'm the CEO. Maybe I'm the, the, the chief sales officer. I, I'm doing what you say. What business results do, am I going to get from adopting this approach? Yeah. So one, you're going to close deals a lot quicker, right? So the velocity of a sale, the average days of a sale, you'll have that. You'll also have higher value of sales. So I mean, less discounting, more add-ons, more cross-sales because you're developing a relationship, understanding the needs, multi-product sales. You'll be able to get a lot of those items going out there. And by default, by having these things, we already mentioned the ramp time of what we're going to get to. And I mentioned probably one or two months for a BDR and then four months for an AE. I'm sure people had an emotional response to that saying, how the heck is that possible? But all those let you achieve those growth rates that you want to get to. I've been fortunate to work with a lot of companies that have had the 100% year over year growth rates, not just to get from 2 million to 4 million. But how do we get from 20 million to 40 million, 40 million to 80 million? And how do we go out there and do that year over year with regards to creating scale and those types of capabilities? And the other thing that I'll say, it's not just being able to have, you know, people make money and have that ramp time and that attainment. But what you actually start to do by building the engine, you retain so much of your reps. You don't have people moving to this company or that company. You retain a lot. And then think about like the referral program that I said, they start to refer people to you and you start to build a culture of like-minded people, similar work ethic, similar drive, and you get exponential growth with regards to what people are doing and how they're driving it. So there's a lot of tangible benefits besides just, did we hit the number? How are we ramping, right? How do we get more sales? Right? How do we get more sales quicker? How do we get higher value sales? And how do we get more people in quicker to be able to go out there and achieve those types of sales in that growth? One of the things that I have learned uh, in working with C-suite officers, including CEOs, including heads of sales that are going to be responsible for greenlighting the type of initiative that you bring forward is this sense of security that they have in their own role, in their own position. I mean, short of some scandal, some major ethical or legal breach, the number one reason that C-suite executives, particularly the ones that we're talking about, uh, have their tenures cut short is a failure to deliver growth in revenue. As I always say to the people that I work with, getting clients is job one. 
because you could be the greatest in terms of the product that you're offering, in terms of the service that you provide. And if you don't have clients that are willing to use it and buy it, then what was the point of being so great at it? So I think emotionally, there's nothing like that feeling that I don't really have to worry every single day as to get called in in front of the board or if I'm head of sales to the CEO's office in being told that I am being replaced for a failure to delivery. So I think you put all those together, you have got something that's very compelling here, Scott. So let's go on and talk about implementation. So you sold me on thinking this way. What are the steps that I need to take to make it happen? One of the things I always love to do, and this maybe goes back to some of my seven habits of highly effective people days. As you can tell, I'm old enough to love the Stephen Coveys of the world and those different dynamics. I like to seek first to understand. I love to see what we're doing, how we're doing, and really kind of get that outside perspective that's coming in because I compare it to best practices and sales methodologies. I love talking with different people in one-on-ones, executive, cross-functional, you know, so you can understand how the whole team works together. And then I typically talk with sales last to really see how do they take those different dynamics of what's being pushed down at the executive level, what's coming in multi-different kind of cross-functional and multi-department level to see how they're actually able to go out there and execute. So I start off looking at those, those sales sales team. I review the calls, listen to calls with you know the different tools that are out there today, really easy to go out there and do that and make sure that I can really understand how do we go out there and look at the key steps of what we need to go out there and do? How do we break down the specifics? Let's not keep high level. Let's get to those nuances that we know drive success. And let's build the repeatability aspect of it. Let's make sure that we don't just have, you know, example scripts and everything else. But let's teach the team how to use that, right? The way that I take a script and you take a script will be different based off of our personalities. Well, what's the meaning behind it? But also, how do I practically apply it? All of my trainings, all my focus is about practical application. I know the theories. I've studied the theories. I'll train or talk about theory very little bit. But what's the practical, applicable piece that I can use that I can use in this next meeting, this next call, this next customer interaction. And so you want to make sure that you understand the myriad of different types of sales skills that are out there. There's a lot and what we need to go out there and do when we need to do it throughout our sales process. So breaking down those and having that roadmap is critical. And then as a, as a sales leader, we got to coach to it. When you start talking with people, they think it's a big thing and it's really difficult. I tell people all the time, it's like going grocery shopping. You typically walk in with a list. You got it written down. You got it in your head. You got it on your phone in a note. Or if you're like me, you get it from my wife in a text because she knows beyond two things, I'm going to forget something. So I have that list ready to go. It helps me prepare for the store. It helps me execute as I'm going up and down the aisles. And before I leave, I look at the list and I achieve the things I want to go out there and do. Because what happens if I don't? I have to go back to the store, right? I have to do something else in my sales process or I miss an ingredient. I have to go through that sales process when I miss something. That means I might have a likelihood to not close that deal, right? Or not close it as quickly, the velocity piece not close it as a high of value, right? In terms of the dollar amount that's out there or the opportunities for multi-product sales. And so there's lots of things that if you just think about that dynamic, you've got to be able to go out there and execute. And think about, you've been going grocery shopping a lot longer than you've been in professional sales. And I'm willing to bet you professional sales is more important than going grocery shopping. So if we know it's more important, then we know it's harder than going grocery And yet we do it for, for grocery. Why don't we do it for sales? Boggles my mind. And if you break down what the you know, expert medical or, or, you know, actors, like I mentioned, or actresses and professional athletes, they have that process to continually go back and execute on the fundamentals and continue to work themselves 
to execute flawlessly? How do they prepare for that interaction, execute out, and how do they evaluate afterwards? The most important thing for any enterprise, particularly those that are growing, is the ability to drive new clients and revenues. And at the end of the day, that is all about sales. As I think you have pointed the way, it's a lot about structure, it's about process, it's about mindset. And I appreciate, Scott, you giving a roadmap for our audience for things that they need to do in order to make this happen. So we are now going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to learn a bit more about Scott. Are you wondering how much longer you have to grind and chase for every lead conversation and client? Would you like clients to knock on your door so you no longer have to pitch, follow up, and spam decision makers? Well, Centricity's Category 1 program uses a proven five-step process that will help you get in front of the decision makers you need by spending less time doing all the things you hate. It's not cold calling, cold email, cold outreach on LinkedIn or any other social media, or even spending money on ads, but it does have a 35 times higher ROI than any of those things leveraging your expertise and insights at your prospects and network value. The best part, even though you'll see results in 90 days, you get to work with the Centricity team for an entire year to make sure you have all the pieces in place and working so you can start having freedom of time and a life outside of your business. So email time at centricityb2b.com to schedule an 18-minute call to learn more. Welcome back. We're talking to Scott Kaplan, founder and chief coach of Quick Hit Sales Tips. Let's find out a bit more about Scott. Let's start with the pain points, Scott, that you address with the clients that you serve. A lot of the the pain points that I I talk to with my clients, and again, it typically is uh, either the sellers themselves or more typically, I start out the, the sales leadership level, CEO, board level. It's really about how do we get that growth? How do we get that scale? How do we get the ability? If we really wanted to pour fire on our company, how would we light it up? And how do we get that type of, of scale that's out there? Typically, it's based off the biggest opportunities that they're trying to get to. How do we create these opportunities? Sometimes, though, it's a company that's been struggling. How do we turn the boat around? So whatever your strategy is, whether it's correcting the current market dynamics or you know going to market kind of brand new and making your name come to life, how do you go out there and build that scale, build those capabilities so you can have you know predictable and repeatable you know success that lets you build for scale? You know, from a financial perspective, from an operational perspective, from the growth of how you would manage that type of customers perspective. It helps you as an organization figure out who are the different types of sellers that we need. Is it direct? Is it through channel? Is it through other types of avenues of a client and engagement to really make sure that you can have those types of capabilities to know what will yield success. And so I talk a lot of the strategy level, the board level, again, to help those items. But then you got to take it down at the rep level, right? And that's where really the frontline manager who really helps drive the change and the rep that's really there going in day in and day out. That's where those two roles get incredibly critical to know what they need to do or what they need to coach to or they need to support upon from a manager perspective. But ensuring that you know the key items of execution. When you have a function that's important to a business like sales, you know there's going to be a demand for a lot of third party assistance. And whenever there's a market demand, you can guarantee there's going to be more than enough people that will raise their hand and say, I can help you. No 
company out there is looking to retain someone who's average at this, let alone mediocre. So Scott, what do you think makes you great at what it is that you do? They say that if you do something for 10,000 hours, you really develop mastery. Well, I've been professionally selling for uh, 25 plus years, but not just going through the motions, really breaking it down and understanding what is it that I'm trying to do and look at those different nuances from our cold calling and how do we drive that? So when you develop an opportunity to close to retention and account expansion, I've just been studying it and going through it myself. Uh, with so many different teams that I've managed as a sales leader, as a sales operations leader, as a sales training leader, uh, throughout so many different uh, companies. I'm really fortunate to uh, you know train 15,000 plus sellers and 5,000 plus sales managers. All right, I built those sales playbooks and sales processes, and I'm familiar with you know the you know I'll say my competitors, but I call them my my peers that I'm friends with that do what I do and write books and you know the challenger sale, corporate visions, you know Sandler. These are all different types of sales methodologies that I've been a part of and learned and applied and figured out the right way to go out there and use that and leverage it. But I guess the the real story is. When I started to break those things down, I can mention to you, I've been professionally selling for 25 years, but I've been selling for 41 years and I'm 47 years old right now. And I just think back to when I first started to sell. I remember when I was six years old and I had an 11 apartment complex and did a little yard sale myself. And, you know, what does a six year old have? That's really a value, right? But I have this teddy bear. I can only imagine how probably gross a six-year-old teddy bear is, right? But I remember this guy walking by with his uh, girlfriend, I assume. And I made a comment of, gosh, your girlfriend is so pretty. She looks like she always needs like love and support. And I hammed up what she would need through this teddy bear. I started to talk with him and gave it to her, let her hold and touch. I'm like, oh my God, I love this teddy bear so much, but you know, the teddy bear looks like it really wants to go to you, right? I hate to deprive the teddy bear. So I'm getting this guy to look at all these different things. There's no way he can't buy this teddy bear right now. I don't remember what I charged for it. I want to say $10. And again, this is going back to um, <clears throat> or, um, 80, 81, right? So $10 is probably a lot then. And he's probably thinking this kid just took me for 10 bucks. So I encourage everybody to take a look at uh, Scott's LinkedIn profile. You will see his background, all the experience, except perhaps as a, a young boy uh, that he has and he brings to bear. Scott, I've got a slightly different, uh, albeit related question for you, which is what's the thing that has happened in your life that most explains why you're doing what you do today? I love helping people. Um, it's one of those things that I've taken lots of self-evaluation courses about myself. Um, and I love for people, I love for all of us to be the best. I mean, that's that's the core of what I do. It's what makes my strengths and my weaknesses that are out there. Um, so Brian McConnell, who's hopefully listening to this, thank you, sir, many years ago taught me that. But knowing that we all want to go for the, the, the to be the best, how do we help people to go out there and be successful? It's at the core of what I do personally and what I try to do professionally as well. Not that we all have to win. It's not a win versus lose type of thing, but how do we all improve getting better, being able to improve ourselves, be better at what, really what it is we want to go out there and do. Whether that's, you know, the roles you have as a father 
right? Or as a friend, as a, you know, a husband or whatever role, but also as a seller, as a revenue contributor, right? What is it that you want to go out there and do? And how do you help people get better? Okay, Scott. So I know that we've got, I'm sure a lot of people in our audience that would love to reach out to you, continue the conversation. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? You can always shoot me an email. You can uh, reach me at scott at quickhitsalestips.com. So scott at quickhitsalestips. You can also just find me on LinkedIn and we can uh, obviously have a relationship there. Thank you. And I will put your contact information into the show notes um, and as an insert into the video to make it easy for people. Uh, Scott, we really had a great conversation on such a critical issue for everybody. I talked about competition that you have. It may surprise you that there are other shows out there that focus on sort of the B2B market, not just mine. You are a prized guest. And I know that if any of my fellow show hosts were able to get you on their show, they would be thrilled. They would be happy. They would be declaring victory right about now. But Scott, I am not like them. I am 100% advocating for my listeners, saying what is the most value we can get out of you. And I think the discussion is was great, but I think you can do a little bit more. I'm looking for a gift. I'm looking for something that you can offer our audience as an inducement to reach out and start engaging with you. What can you do? My time is really what I sell in those different uh, dynamics. So here's what I'll do. If people show me a little bit of effort, buy my book, Quick Hit Sales Tips, you can buy it on Amazon, easy peasy, right? Or even go to my YouTube channel, Quick Hit Sales Tips. Look at my website. There's videos on there too. If you take the time to really research one of my tactics that's out there, I'll give you a free coaching session. You know, 30-minute coaching sessions out there. And for sales leaders, you get your sales team to go out there, 5, 10 people on your sales team. I'll come on and hop on a team meeting or a huddle, spend up to an hour, and we'll talk about a topic, and I'll give you free coaching. I would love to do it. Love helping people. It would be my honor, and I, I, I love it. But I want to make sure you guys give me a little bit of effort first, and I'll give you a lot of effort back on the return. That's awesome. So, audience, let's reach out. Buy the book. Check Scott out, reach out to him, claim the gift, tell him you heard it on the Best Kept Secret show. And Scott, I want to thank you for being such a great guest and talking about such a critical topic to the success of every growing business out there. To my audience, let's continue to crush it until next time. 